Hey, this is the Following Faith Podcast, and I am Dan Jacobson, joined with Kristen Jacobson. Hey. Daniel Asher. Hey, everybody. And for her very first time with us in the studio, she is the one and only Carrie Corbin. Carrie, welcome. (laughs) Say something to uh, to our listeners so they know you're here. I'm here. (laughs) And not willingly. Begrudgingly. We we dragged her in today. Scott, so this is TMI on Scott's behalf, but he's at a dentist appointment. Can we we out that? He's probably getting all of his cavities filled again. Christina would be so proud. That's so true. true. And, uh, and and I thought, man, what a better day to get Carrie to sit in front of a microphone than a day where she has no choice. <laughs> and uh, we I are so grateful. I had a choice, but I was then found out later I didn't. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, it's okay. We uh, Carrie, you everybody knows who you are uh, around our campus. You direct our kids ministry. How I mean, we're coming up here on a pretty significant anniversary for you. How many years? Actually, we just passed it. it was, was it already? Yeah. July 8th was two years from ah, me. I love it. All right. Well, two years. Isn't that incredible? Wow. It flies. Um, what is maybe one thing uh, in the past two years that you just feel like is, is exciting for you or that you've seen God do uh, oh, in the man. kids ministry here? The list is so long. Um, but, you know, even with like as crazy as things have been here in the last few months, I think I've seen God move more than ever here yeah. just since March. Like. It's just been awesome seeing the church grow and our relationships have changed um, with the kids and the parents and our volunteers. And we've just, I think we've learned to love each other so much more than we did before. So Mm. for sure. And uh, I don't know what there is to say, but you, you maybe shifted the quickest out of all of us here at the campus when we hit COVID Mm -hmm. because we put you as the lead for our local outreach, just ways for us to (laughs) love our neighbors. And you've been crushing it Mm -hmm. from me to to you. (laughs) You've been doing so well. Uh, I think there's some things that maybe people don't even realize we're doing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can share just briefly about like um, Miller's and things like that. Yeah. So I think, I think HP already has really done a great job with outreach. So it's kind of a natural move anyway, but um, one of the things that we've done was we reached out to some of the local um, uh, nursing homes and specifically every two weeks we provide just a little gift just to tell like the employees that, you know, that we're thinking about them, we're praying for them and that we're appreciative of what they're doing. And, and it just goes with their paycheck every two weeks. They just get this little gift with a card with our information on it. Um, we're getting ready to do blessing bags for all of the teachers in uh, Hobart and hopefully Portage as well, um, depending (laughs) on how many have to get out in the next two weeks. Um, We've done pillows with pictures of people's loved ones um, for residents of the nursing homes. And we've also um, given out like 600 devotionals um, to residents of of a couple different nursing homes. Uh, Miller's Mary Manor is the one uh, here in Hobart and Portage that we've been dealing with. So. Yeah. So did you know all of that, Daniel? I had no idea. Right. Me either. <laughs> wow. Carrie is, when we say Carrie puts in work, this is what it looks like. So thank you for uh, just yeah. going above and beyond. I know we, sure. that's one of those shifts when you go to COVID uh, world, it's a different church structure mm-hmm. and just jumped in so, so well. Um, you really guys. Ha- like really hasn't skipped beat at no. all. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, speaking of, uh, not skipping beats, uh, this past Sunday, Daniel, we missed you. Um, but we had our first outdoor service, like the way we're going to be doing this for the next season of our church's life. Daniel, where were you? (laughs) This is what I want to know. Where were you, bro? Well, I was having my first, uh, my first bachelor outing. 
Yeah. Oh. I shouldn't say first. It should be the I, only I'm, bachelor I'm outing. Like, like, like bachelor party outing? Is that what you mean? Am like, I allowed to say party? I mean, we had a, 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 a get-together. A soiree. A soiree. <laughs> I feel like that's No, worse. it was uh, my little brother came from Kansas City. Uh, and then I had uh, one of my best friends come from uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Another guy come from Tennessee. And then I had my, my guys here. Um, we had a blast. Nice. We went to, uh, what is it? Blast. Is it Blast Point? What's the paintball place? Yeah, Blast Florida's... Camp over here. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> it was one of the gnarliest adventures ever. We went Saturday morning, and uh, the thing we did not expect was there were going to be like at least forty dudes in full military garb. <laughs> you got the like, pros, dude. Full oh, regalia. Man. They had like all their tags and everything. I'm like, these they need girlfriends, <laughs> and they don't they don't split anybody up either. Like, if they, you come in a team, you can stay in that. They team. are in open play with. Everybody. Oh my yeah. And my little brother has uh, red hair and he's super fair skinned, so he bruises like a stale banana. <laughs> and uh, man, he got he got destroyed. <laughs> but like Kim, uh, Kim Labarge husband was there, uh, yeah. Danny. We and we team. were just we we thought it was gonna be like super chill. Yeah. Just like the eight of us, like real fine. <laughs> and then it was four hours of like we. Four. Yeah, we got into some almost some into some trouble because we got a little angry in a couple different spots because <laughs> they were like, "This is not fair!" Like their guns cost a thousand dollars, and they're out here just like you got a pea shooter, just picking yeah. us off. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, but it was really really fun. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious! And we're so glad that you obviously uh, are celebrating and taking time with with uh, good people. That's incredible. And Kristen's been thinking about like a women's ministry event to do that's safe mm-hmm. for COVID. Kristen, yeah, paintball. I think rent that out. might be it. I think we figured it out. <laughs> Maybe you rent out Blast Camp. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. I'm going to need to look into that. That's not too far from our campus. No, I, it's like I, 10 minutes, not even. Yeah, and I always drive past that place and it feels to me like, uh, I don't know, in COVID, we haven't built any structures like they did back in like the Cold War. Yeah. It feels like a, the remnants of the cold. That, yeah. It feels like a training facility <laughs> for either a zombie apocalypse or oh my whatever happens next. But <laughs> yeah. that's what it felt like. There were a lot of crews like that where I'm like, you guys aren't regulars here. And there, not there's here not a birthday party yeah. or right. anything like that. You right. guys are here for training. <laughs> right. You're prepping. You're preparing for something. Well, we had an unbelievable time on Sunday. Yeah. And by unbelievable, I mean, I didn't know that it could get so hot it was outside so of our hot. building. Yeah. I think it registered 93 degrees. My forehead registered 103 degrees. Mm. Um, and so I was uh, I was dying. Um, I'm so appreciative of all the people who came out to be yeah. both serving. You know, Karen, mm. I'm looking at you with the yeah, team of people sure. that you led this weekend yeah. for the first time, bringing kids back to um, uh, a space where they're learning the Bible in their own um, appropriate way. Um, but also just for the people who got here early to set up, tear mm. down, um, think about Jamie Taves and, yeah. you know, Parker from our Cedar Lake campus came up and, um, I think, you know, people always think he looks like Jesus. So they love him anyway, <laughs> but, uh, he I was I have sweating. a couple of friends that call him smiley. Yeah. So smiley? They're like, who's that worship guy that's always smiling? <laughs> oh my and that's, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> big shout out for him. Cause he was actually with us the whole, uh, well, he went with us to, um, we went ax throwing after dinner. Oh my gosh. Um, which was. <laughs> Another, if you guys are doing anything for women's Bible study, either paintball or axe throwing, throwing, it's like, it's like darts, but with axes Right, and couldn't recommend it more. Well, I feel like we're actually set up here at our, at our campus with (laughs) the woods in the back. We've got some of those giant um, stumps that are sideways. We could just set up, you know, 
one of those six foot COVID lines on the ground and just, there's your mark. Yeah. This was a, uh, it was a great time for us to see each other. I was reminded of, um, of a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Someone had mentioned to me and they said like this gathering feels like what he said when he said the joy of the Christian is the presence of other believers. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Um, when you're around one another, even in hard times, I mean, he said that in the midst of, um, yeah. you know, pretty global conflict. Um, and so for people to be together and to be present with one another does something in a way where even hearing voices doesn't mm-hmm. do or watching videos doesn't do. And Carrie, I just want to ask you, how did it feel to have, we had a, a, a dozens of kids yes. back in our ministry. How did yeah. that feel for you? It was awesome. I never realized that I could love other people's kids as much as uh, I love these yeah. kids. Like, yeah. and just getting to see them again was just it was so exciting. And, and our volunteers too, like our volunteers are amazing. Like we had 20 volunteers that were confirmed in like less than two hours. Wow. And yeah, it was amazing. And just so excited to see the kids back and, and yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So, so we, we've got it kind of, we went through it once, kind of figured out what are, where are the, were the challenges, where are the kinks? Um, I've kind of issued a, a church, you know, our campus wide mandate, mandate, um, you know how like you have to have a mask if you go into like Menards or whatever. I yeah. think for us, the mandate is if it's ever over 70 degrees at our campus, we will have a bottle of water with every person's name on it <laughs> because goodness, was that a, a challenge? And so if you're out there and you're listening, you're like, man, I'm, I'll come back, but it was so hot. <laughs> um, I agree. And that's why we're going to do some stuff to help make it <laughs> a little bit more comfortable out here. What I a- love that people brought tents and mm-hmm. canopies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Tim Krug almost like, you know, sheltered his whole family uh, with with his setup. And I don't know, I think I'm going to model him for the next couple of weeks. It's for such us a too. Northwest Indiana thing, because in Tennessee, it's like it, it's hot all summer long. Like, right. it's just like, you know, it's going to be hot. So yeah. plan accordingly. Yeah. Here, it's like. I mean, Friday was like, I think we had a low of like 69 or something like that, a high of like 85. And it's like, oh man, this looks really promising. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Cause there's this thing called a heat index that stacks on top of that. The humidity builds it up. So no, we are, I'm really as a, as it's just someone who's caring about our people and their own spiritual well-being. I'm excited that we have a chance to gather people together consistently, not just a like one event to look forward to every so often, but for us to have a consistent experience is is going to be so good. And uh, in the future, we're going to try and figure out how to get more uh, kids into that space. And I think parents should know uh, if you if you don't mind sending your kid to a space where they can be loved on and uh, around some of their other friends in, a, um, in, in the most protective way possible. Maybe, Carrie, you could share with us, what are some of the steps that we're taking just to help kids be safe when, when they're out there? Yeah. So um, when the kids check in, they bring a towel and they bring- um, Like a their, beach towel. Yeah, like a beach towel. Yeah. And then their water bottle, of course. And then um, when they go into the tent, um, which last this past Sunday, we had them all in one space. Yeah. Now, we've kind of got that down. Now, this week, we're going to try to separate them out a little yeah. bit more in their own tents, you know, based on age. But- um, so when they get into the tent, then we have volunteers who help them to kind of um, separate themselves a little bit just to kind of, you know, we're not really able to do the six foot thing, but we're doing the best that we can, you yeah. know, a little bit of space between all of them. So, yeah, no, it's super appreciated. I know many parents uh, had a great experience yeah. uh, on Sunday until we 
shoved ice cream in every kid's <laughs> hands. That was a bit rough. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I, I mean, it's like, that's just how the VBS is made out of. Like, we send yep. kids home, and it looks like they had a good time because they're wearing everything right. on them. Right. Like, sorry, they painted on their clothes, and they got ice cream stains on their clothes, and we poured lemonade on their head. <laughs> Um, it wasn't that bad, but I think, uh, <laughs> no. our, our kids had a great time this Sunday. Yeah. Our kids had yeah, a great time. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to some future Sundays where we, um, we all enjoy it. And mm-hmm. we prayed this Sunday that the Lord would keep the temperature low. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping I'm not regretting that. And it's like 32 degrees outside in the middle of August. I think it says 78 right now beautiful. in the forecast. So that's pretty thing. perfect. Beautiful thing. Daniel's back. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> hey, one of the things that we've been uh, trying to promote here on the following faith podcast is how to um, understand your faith in a more uh, robust way. And one of the things that Scott has been helping us think through is how do we um, talk about our faith? And we introduced last week, the new city catechism, and the first question we talked about last week, you can go back and listen to it, was what is our only hope as Christians in life and death? And the second question that we're going to just kick around here in a moment is uh, question two, what is God? And of course, Scott last week modeled for us how to um, even have these discussions by just first and foremost asking the question, like, what does that question make you think or feel uh, when you hear it? And the question is three words, what is God? I feel like it could either be a very simple answer or a very long conversation. I think it, it's interesting to say what and not who. Yeah. Because the, I, so I guess I, I'm intrigued at what they're getting after there, you yeah. know, in the sense of, are, are we talking attributes of God? Like God is just, God is wise, God is those things. Or are we just, like you said, Daniel, something simple? Are we looking for yeah. God is spirit? You know, like, are we, what are, that, that question could have been framed, who is God? What does God do? But the fact that it it is phrased that way is intriguing to me. Yeah. And I think that plays to the fact that we've spent a lot of our time in theology and in relationship with um, the, the God of the Bible, who, even how I said that betrays the fact that I believe that you can think about God in different ways. Yeah. But for us, the one true God, again, another characteristic about mm-hmm. how I would answer this, is a God who reveals himself, there you go again, as a person. Yeah. Um, and so there is that understanding, that presupposition that we come to it. Not, not, it sounds a- awkward to our ears to say, what is God as opposed to who is God? Mm-hmm. But when you think about functionally in our American culture, isn't it true that what is God might actually be a thing and not God Almighty, the person? I mean, I mm-hmm. think about um, houses mm-hmm. can become God's, kids can become God's, jobs can become God's, success can become God. And so, in a very fundamental question, when we talk about faith, the all prevailing answer has to be aligning with the universal. Um, creator God who has revealed himself in scripture. Let's just dig into the answer that we, we uh, find here in the catechism. It's, it's that God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything, which what, what, what Bible verse does that remind us of? 
Colossians 1. Mm-hmm. Colossians 1. Okay. You jumped ahead of the one that I was thinking was oh. the more obvious one. Oh, Genesis. Genesis. There you go. <laughs> Genesis. Yeah. Sustainer is yeah. Colossians. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Yeah. Uh, is, a, is an echo of all of that. Um, God is eternal. This is the, the catechism again. God is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. And then it goes on to say this last sentence, nothing happens except through him and by his will. I mean, that, you're right, Daniel. Like the, yeah. the answer could be really simple. Uh, or it could be an hours long conversation. And a part of our goal here isn't to um, delve into the deep, deep weeds of what faith in, in um, the Lord looks like, but for us to understand the magnitude of who this God is, even right. in these three sentences, I'm already struck with reverence and awe for the, um, the all encompassing nature of that definition. Like this God is way bigger than, um, COVID than any type of election, than any type of country. Or definition. <laughs> or definition even. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Do you guys think that there's more in that, that, that it's just trying to summarize too much? You think about the characteristics of God. And it's interesting because that answer suggests a couple of them, right? Yeah. I don't remember. Eternal. What, eternal. Infinite. Um, I was mindful of the studies that we've done in Women of the Word. And um, we've been good Jen Wilkin disciples here <laughs> with Bethel Women for a while. And, and there's something that she encourages her um, students to do. And it's as, as you go through whatever scripture you're reading to ask the question, what does this tell me about God? And specifically, what attribute of God do I learn about? And so I know our women in our study, and Carrie, you were part of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, we had those long lists at the end of the study that she gave us to prompt us thinking through what are the attributes of God? Because I would think eternals, one comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. Powerful, another one, yeah. love, loving, merciful. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. And certainly any list that w- she would even include wasn't complete. But I do think that we, if we read scripture without that searching mindset to, to be trying to understand the many attributes of God, we, we sometimes miss out on that. And we, we think of him in, in a um, simpler way than we ought. I think part of what you just said and what the definition pushes us towards is to see that it'd be easy to think of this God as being so ubiquitous or so ineffable. Yeah, sure. That's another big word that we don't know what it means, but, (laughs) but so large that there's no intimacy. There's no, yeah. yeah. And he couldn't at, at all bother with us today, but to see that in the definition that I'll read it again, he is eternal, infinite and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. To think of, what we need today in my own heart, my desire to mm-hmm. see something in this world is, is wisdom and justice yeah. and truth. I think you can turn the TV to whatever channel you want to and turn the radio to whatever channel you want to, and even podcasts to whatever channel you want to. And, um, and hear someone's wisdom, someone's justice and someone's truth. And for us to know that the unchanging wisdom, Mm -hmm. justice, and truth of God is accessible to us today pushes me 
to want to know this God even more and to surrender my own wisdom, justice, and truth to whatever uh, would be told of me of this God. Hmm. Further questions are going to push us into the story of the gospel and how Jesus is all wise, all truth, and obviously the culmination of God's justice. But it's a big, big topic. Yeah, and I think there's something in that definition too that points to this, the qualities of God um, that are there's a word for it, a theological word that is escaping me at the moment, but the ones that attributes of God that we can emulate and then attributes of God that we can't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's I, a I'll, word. I'll show off my master's please, degree please. for a second. That <laughs> you're talking about the communicable Thank attributes you. of God, communicable, yes. which means we can receive and emulate those. Right. And the incommunicable attributes, which are not necessarily bestowed upon us, though we are his creation. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's a tendency that we have to think, sort of air toward imagining God in the, in the ways that we, like we camp on the attributes of him that we can try and emulate. Mm. And we, we maybe overlook those ones that are like so beyond us. And I, I don't know, I'm not sure if that's right or wrong, or maybe you find yourself on the other end of that where you, you tend to think about how God is not like us, but what you're saying is that there's a God who is infinitely sovereign, who is beyond us. And yet we being made in his image have attributes that we look to in him and we can ourselves, you know, emulate those things and become more and more wise, become more loving, become more whatever this is as we look to him. I wonder how much different the answer becomes when the question is who is God yeah. rather than what is God? Yeah, Cause I'm, I'm hearing that like we project those anthropomorphic yeah. definitions of who God is. And we right. hear that, like that personal, who is God? Oh, I know who this God is, but when the when the question is what is God, just how how different the the answer shifts. Hmm. I think it'd be interesting. We could take that to the streets and yeah, we could. Yeah. Well, I think no matter your approach to that question, whenever you start to dive into an answer, I don't know. Do you guys feel like this with me? I feel small mm-hmm. after yeah. starting to think about who and what God is. Yes. Um, and so I think there's a beauty. And even asking the question and in the way that the setup is for it to be question number two of the whole catechism, right? Yeah. These are questions that help new believers know their faith. Um, it's a beautiful thing for us to feel small because in that we grow in our humility. Um, here at Bethel Church, we always talk about a big God. And when we talk about a big God, that's part of what we, what we mean is that um, there's going to be things that confound and explode our minds. Um, and there are going to be things that we try and relate to, but no matter what, it's probably going to push us. The deeper we go into knowing him, the more questions come up and the less answers we have. And so there's a beautiful mystery, uh, that these questions push us towards guys. That was a deep conversation that went from paintball and ax throwing (laughs) to the very fundamental essence of who God is. But I, I appreciate, uh, just the the moment I know you at home listening or, uh, you know, in a car, or um, out for a walk. I know uh, these are questions that maybe you wouldn't normally ask today, but because you tuned in, you had a chance to uh, think a little deeper about your faith and about the God that you love. Can I plug a book real quick Please. about the attributes of God that I think is excellent? And sorry, it's going to sound like I'm obsessed with Jen Wilkin, but she <laughs> she wrote two books. One is about the communicable attributes of God and one is about the incommunicable. Um, that one's called None Like Him. And that is, again, the, the those attributes about of God that we can't be like. Um, but then there's another book called In His Image. And those are just really two excellent reads. 
I thought you were going to like help the family inheritance with like one of my grandpa's A books. A book? Nah. Yeah. Because I think he literally wrote a book Women called Power. The Attributes of God. So no, uh, no, those are two fantastic reads. I've skimmed the first one and wanted to dive deeper into it for sure. And we love Jen and one day she'll come on the podcast with us, right? Ah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> be amazing. Life-changing. Hey, uh, until next time, uh, we want we're about to set up an interview here, but uh, we hope that just tuning in today is going to help you follow Jesus a little bit further in your own walk. We will see you next time. Well, welcome to the podcast. One of my uh, new friends uh, from uh, Bethel Church in Crown Point, uh, Danny Sias. Danny, how you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks be for happy. being on the. Thanks for being on the show, man. Uh, maybe you can share with people a little bit about uh, what you do at Bethel. I am a pastoral resident, uh, and my pastoral residency is with an emphasis on uh, Spanish ministry and community outreach. Fantastic. Now, uh, our listeners already can tell um, there's a reason that you're a, a pastoral resident for, uh, you know, Hispanic ministries. Where are you <laughs> from, man? Give us like some of the quick bio. Uh, quick thing. Uh, Chilean father, my went to Ecuador, uh, fell in love with Ecuador and an Ecuadorian girl. So I got right. married. So I, I was born in Ecuador, uh, grew up around the you know, indigenous communities in, uh, in Ecuador, you know, and like in the mountains in the Andes region. And then after that, we moved, when I was about 10 years old, we moved to the Galapagos islands and until I graduated high school. Yeah. Bro, I don't think I've ever known that you lived in the Galapagos islands. How has that always conveniently escaped the story? <laughs> what in the world? What was that like, man? I mean, it's one thing to be, uh, you know, raised in Ecuador, but then Galapagos islands is, yeah, it's, that's the stuff of like science cool. books it up was, here, right? It was super cool, man. It was it was a it, it's a it's a small town, uh, super island, chilly, feel surf, sandal shorts. You know, if you want to take off your shirt, why not? You know, yeah. it's just, and it's hot. Let's just jump into the the beach for a little bit before we go home. It you know, sounds after awful. work. <laughs> that, that's kind of you know, and at the same time, people worked really, really, really hard on tourism, which was the biggest thing. And uh, this, uh, there was also a lot of, uh, it was a very international community, a lot of uh, European, European immigrants, uh, a lot of uh, people from the mainland coming, a lot of South American from different areas, uh, scientists, things like that. People would come and just your regular average construction worker, people that, you know, fishermen, you name it. Do you think that some of your... Uh, extensive like cross-cultural training in life has come from that experience oh for sure man for sure for sure yeah like yeah. you are you're the the textbook uh we call them chameleons like a cultural chameleon like can fit in with whomever and kind of knows the <laughs> lingo knows how to like hang out with certain types of people no matter where you are you feel like you can connect with people i really admire that about you and uh i man i, I the galapagos islands might have something to do with that Thanks, man. I, I try. I try. It is not hard to put yourself in the shoes of other people, you know, and try to kind of find something to relate to, but it, you got to do it, you know, and, and it's, um, you know, it, it's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. And um, I've, 
uh, it was it, sometimes it could have been a little bit difficult to kind of say like you know where are you from we're like uh, you know sure uh, you know but at the same Chilean, time uh huh your mom is Ecuadorian yeah as someone who grew up in Ecuador did that ever cause any uh, identity like questions for you or or did you always identify uh, like in the Latin American community, I'm not sure how that would work, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Cause I didn't have a, 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 I don't have a strong Ecuadorian accent. So there's two main strong Ecuadorian accents. One is like very tropical from the lowlands. One is very indigenous, you know, uh, kind of lazy on the words. And so, um, I didn't have a strong of either one. And so yeah. people, when, when I would go to one place, people were like, Oh, you're from there. I'm like, no, you're from there. And you know, so that was a little bit like that. And, but if, you know, I, I've I've honestly, um, and, and if if you know, we're we're talking, we're we're both Christians, but like uh, Jesus has become, you know, heaven, Jesus, and all that like, has become like such, um, and it's not easy. But I need I need I I, I strive to make that my main soul identity. Uh, because otherwise I'll go crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe we should like, can back into that thought. I think that's a really good one. I'd love to chase that down. Mm -hmm. um, I know if I can give some quick, uh, uh, you know, way, if I can fill in your story very quickly here, um, you uh, were a pastor uh, for the Seventh-day Adventist church, very prominent um, where you lived and you pastored, uh, in South America with the Seventh-day Adventist. Um, and you uh, met your wife, Amy, delightful, uh, moved up here uh, to get married, right? And then pastored in locally in Northwest Indiana for a while. Mm -hmm. um, some exciting news for you and Amy. I don't want to blow the, the surprise, but you want to <laughs> share that? For sure. Yeah. We're uh, with child. We're with child. I love it, man. I love that you said we're. That's a, that's such a pro like uh, dad tip and, and husband tip. Like, I know yeah. your wife's doing all the all the heavy lifting right now, but sure. to be united with her in that man, good for you, man. <laughs> uh, when's the due date? Uh, September twenty something. Ooh, okay. this looks bad already. Coming uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are also very excited for you guys uh, to become parents. You know, you're gonna be an yeah. unbelievable dad. This kid's gonna be super spoiled. Um, but what I want to talk to you about is, uh, is about some of your theological journey that you've been on for a while. Um, you pastored a Seventh-day Adventist church here in Winfield. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about some of, some of the, the journey you took to becoming um, uh, able to, to confidently say, this is no longer my theology and I believe the Bible a different way. How did that go for you? Well, it had to do directly with the doctrine of righteousness by faith. Sure. That's that's what did it. And um trying to learn, just learn the doctrine of salvation and then I that's within the framework of the Seventh-day Adventist uh system of beliefs and it's there is is uh, if I'm not mistaken is uh belief number 8 or something like that among the 28th fundamental beliefs that, that that they have. But it it's never become to them the main driving overarching theme of of you know this is the gospel and this is what we're all about you know it's never and that's never true of them either in their preaching or their theology or nothing um there's there's other other things and so 
Um, so I, when, when a friend of mine was having some difficulties, some doctrinal difficulties with very, with fanatics in his church, with the hardcore, you know, Adventist fanatics in his church in, in Ecuador, in Quito, he comes up to me and says like, Hey, you know, I've been dealing with these people and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, um, to study this thing. And so righteousness by faith, I was like, Oh yeah, we believe that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, dude, but this is like the main thing. Like it's, it's, it's like, if you either have this and if you don't have this right, there's like, you're done. And, and so you, you, and so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Sure. Let's study this. And so we, he's my best friend, you know, and we just started like going over and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. Yeah. It's good. It's good. So, but that piqued my curiosity. Uh, he had had a change. Like the veil was removed from his eyes. Sure. Yeah. Like him. a very visible, uh, yeah. emotional, spiritual, mental 180. For sure. For sure. For him, it had been that. But for Amy and myself, uh, we were we were dating at this point. And so what we did was, uh, so, but it, it, he piqued my curiosity very much. So I was like, okay, this is cool. I like it. I, I want to dig more into this. And uh, and yeah, we say we're about this, but I, I, I know that this is not really it. Um, I know that, that, that we we're not making it central. And so um, the, the, we're not making the main thing the main thing. And so I dug into, I said, well, well, who do we go for to read about this? And I was like, oh, yeah, in history, Martin Luther. Uh, he's like the main dude, and he's always, you know, he's kind of an accepted, okay, theologian uh, guy in the... Uh, yeah, if you know church. one thing about Martin Luther, you know the, <laughs> you know, the 95 Theses, or you know the doctrine yeah, of justification yeah. by faith alone. So yeah. I went up and dug in a little... Uh, document that's called the preface to romans yes uh to uh by martin luther is a is a is a document in written in 1524 right uh quite a bit after a few years after the 1517 thesis and so as he wrote that his theology was more developed more solid less um you know less less you know i guess the roman catholic yeah less thing. catholic for sure he less, had been less, kind of less, emerging less in protestantism sure and so that little article, and of all things, he goes into the final, all the terms that, that uh, he says, when, when Paul says grace, this is what he means. When Paul said in Romans, when Paul says faith, this is what he means. And, you know, I was reading grace, law. And, oh, by the way, and so I, I found the document. And I said, Amy, let, let's, let's read this tonight on our, on our, on our call because we would, we would uh, dating uh, in distance, you know, so on the Skype Yeah, you were doing a long distance thing. What a romantic date that you could have for her. I'm sure that was like incredible. <laughs> okay. That's, that's why I love my wife so much. <laughs> hey, if you, can't, if you can't read the introduction to Romans by Martin Luther uh, on a date, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that was our, that was our date. So we went, we started reading and of all things, it wasn't religious, it wasn't faith, it wasn't all that, but it was the law. Yeah. The definition of the law. It's like this paragraph, it's just this much. But it literally, it, it just nailed us. And we're like, there's no way we can't be saved. Mm. There's no way we, we can do this. I mean, it, it, hold on, unless grace. Right. Unless this is all Jesus, unless it's literally before, during, and after my life, like all throughout for my present, past, and future, it's got to be all Jesus' sacrifice, all of the cross, every, all his, his completed work. 
and nothing that I'm doing right now or my law keeping, because that's big on seven day Adventism, the law keeping and the Sabbath right. and all that. And so that we were, we were both blown away. Was um, it in a sense where you finally realized that the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus had a purpose was was perhaps Jesus just a moral example for you that you're following because yes. be like yes. Christ be, he showed us the way and yet mm-hmm. in um if you take Luther's form of justification by faith seeing Romans that way you're going to realize that Jesus came as a you know Romans 3 tells us um so that God might be just in punishing mm-hmm. wrath and the justifier he might make many come to him uh, in that work of Christ, the righteousness of God has now been made known. Um, all that stuff has started to make sense. Yeah. Of course, all that right. stuff started to make sense. And the thing is that the way I used to believe, and many people, and this is across the board, this is not just Seventh-day Adventists, these are, these are um, uh, uh, you know, uh, many, many Christians struggle with this daily, even amongst the most Protestant that you would think. It's a daily thing that I think many struggle is on trying to think, well, yeah, Jesus gave you grace when you gave his heart to him. You invited him to your, invited him to your heart. You asked for forgiveness of sins. But now you've been really messing up lately. And so you, you, have, to, you have to do something about it. So try hard. Right. So Jesus was, so forgiveness and justification was a past. It's, it's something that happened in the past. But in the present, you got to come up with sanctification. So yes, Jesus is going to help you. But you got to do it. You got to try hard. You got to work really hard at it. And so there comes this miserable struggle of trying to give God something hmm. that you know it's imperfect. You know you don't have it, and and it's 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 out of duty. It's is a it's it's uh, it's dreading. You're dreading it. It's horrible. It, like it's not it's not a ple- it's not pleasurable. Right. So uh, you know things like how John, uh, I think it was. Um, uh, is it John Owen? Uh, no, uh, the writer of uh, Amazing Grace. Who, when he says, our, John, Newton. Uh, "John Newton," yeah. you know, our duty and our pleasure, though opposite before, uh, since we have seen his beauty, are set apart no more. Yeah. So that was so real for for us. Like, okay, now I am pleased to serve him, to be holy, to do his will is not a duty is not a is not uh, because I'm already I already have him and I'm not losing him. Yeah, and it's he's like not, he's not letting me go. It's like um you know knowing that you've got a hole in your bucket and that there's water trying to be held in there and coming to Christ to get a band-aid. And for a while it works and if you think that it's up to you to keep the bucket filled eventually that band-aid is going to wear off and the hole is going to come back and you're going to try and keep putting water in it keep putting water in it but thinking it's up to you to plug that hole only to realize that Christ has done it all for you. you just you get to just enjoy what you have. Yeah. I, why do you think, I mean, maybe this is the wrong question to ask, but um, in your experience, you talk about this drudgery and this duty and this inability to, um, you know, keep perfect the law, to be a good person and to, um, even you're a pastor, right? So to be, to be a righteous person, a, you know, a, a noble person who people could follow, um, you hear grace, right? And grace, not just the moment you believe, but grace today, grace tomorrow, grace, the um, ever-present song of the Christian. And mm-hmm. what did that do in your heart? I mean, I mean, how did that really change your, your life? Well, it definitely brought a lot of uh, feelings of repentance. 
uh, of being like, oh my goodness, I, I have, I, I've begun to see a few people that have told me about it. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, you know, have kind of shared some things or I remember, uh, listening to one time watching on TV, I think what is, it had to be one of these, 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 um, uh, I can't remember one of these, this, this well-known preachers from here for the United States. I remember listening and, and he kept going like the blood of Jesus can do this. The blood of Jesus can accomplish this. The blood of Jesus, the yeah. blood of Jesus. And it was like this sermon. And I remember that sermon. I was like, Oh my goodness. And I was like, that's so simple. I'm like, this guy had to be more appealing. Like it's just so simple. <laughs> and, and so all these things, I was like, God, forgive me for seeing your grace and your power and your blood. So um, without, the regard without the, 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 the all encompassing and all empowering thing that it is like, it's just, uh, you know, and so little by little, it helped me to, you know, go over my beliefs. Yeah. That beliefs that I held as a seven day Adventist uh, church member. And as a seven day as a believer, as a pastor. And I was like, then if this is true, then this, how can this be true? Hold on a second. And I dug in like crazy. Uh, I went back and studied and things, and I went to the pioneers of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and different things, uh, just tracing where did they, who did they read, why did they write these things, what was happening in the United States during this time, what was happening, you know, Second Great Revival, what was happening, and, and all that stuff. It was just there was there was there was nothing good behind it, and I was like, okay, I'm getting rid of this belief, getting rid of this belief, getting rid of this is, and so if this is, then this cannot be true. And as that process continued, um, and I was pastoring at the time. Yeah. So I thought... You're deconstructing your Seventh-day Adventism and, yeah. and at the same time filling the void with true, you know, gospel, uh, really, truly sinking into not cheap grace, but real grace. Um, and and I, I was so hungry, man. I was so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> to read to read people, to catch up on theology, to catch up on, on wonderful books, on wonderful preachers, and, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and so, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, and, and I, I, it, it, this comes to our church, you know, I, I don't know right. if we're ready for that's that. What, part yeah, that's different. exactly where I wanted to go, uh, because yeah. you, you're digging in, and um, I know you met with Pastor Steve and, and talked through some things, but eventually you found yourself on staff and you've got like this huge initiative before you uh, with Bethel Espanol. Um, and so it's just great. Thank you for taking the time to kind of explain your heartbeat behind your, I think, is it fair to call it conversion? I mean, is that okay to, to call it like the, the, the yeah. understanding of your faith maybe? Yeah, there's been a bit of a, you know, I, 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 um, I like to put my story in the uh, this this figure from the book, uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, yeah. So this guy reads the Bible. He's like, "Yeah, this city's going to be destroyed. I got to get out of town." Uh, and and he finds this conviction, and he's trying. He's carrying, but but because of he reads the Bible, he receives conviction, and he receives this giant, this super heavy load of the burden. Uh, this burden. And so he's walking, he's trying, he's walking towards the the uh, the, the holy city. He's, 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 he's walking on his faith, on his journey. He meets people, he meets other Christians, he fights the enemy. He's on this journey, uh, but it's it, the burden doesn't fully come out until he gets to the cross. You know, he's re, he has his Bible, he carries it all the time, 
but it doesn't fully come out until it doesn't come off until it, it's. And so I, I, I truly, with all my heart, told the Lord at 17 years old, Lord, come into my life. I don't ever leave me. I, I don't, I, I don't want to leave you and don't, don't ever, ever, ever. It was a very, it was a prayer of um, very God-centered prayer. Uh, probably one of the few God-centered prayers I had prayed sure. probably at that age. But I said, Lord, don't leave me because I, I, I don't, I don't have it in me. So, and, and I remember praying that, but you know, this other uh, major theological change happened when I was, you know, 2014. So I was, uh, you know, 30, 30, 32, 30, 31, 32. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great, I think faith, you, you, we have faith before we have understanding, right? There's something about the way God works that um, we don't walk into faith and then know everything. And there's, that there's revelation that takes place even on a progressive scale for the Christian that your story definitely uh, is lining up with. Talk to us today about what you're working on here at Bethel. Let me tell you something important about, about um, community because that's what led me to Bethel. And I want to, I want to share that. I think it's really important for people to listen to this because it's, 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 I think it's crucial. Um, When I was, so my friend says, you know, my friend Mark, my best friend, who I had been w- walking with him, and he got fired for for preaching Romans eight, you know, and, and, sure. and, and, and a, he was a professor. He's like he's a Greek Greek professor down in Ecuador, and so he he says, Danny, you you you're gonna make it out of the Adventist Church. You know that, right? It's like, oh yeah, I know, I know. I, I'm I'm just preaching Jesus where he has put me, as long as I I can hold it, and then we'll see what happens, you know. And he's like, yeah, I know, but you have to get connected with people who believe like you do. You need to get connected. So it's like, talk to people, talk to friends, talk to other, all the pastors and see if, if they can, they, they, you need to be shepherd, you need to be mentored and find somebody. Like, and I was like, you know, I, I, and so I went online. I was like, I, I love this website called the Gospel Coalition. And, uh, you know, oh, church rectory, here's one. Oh, wait a minute. There's a church right around the corner of where, where I live. It's called Bethel Church. <laughs> And um, after a frustrating uh, attempt to celebrate Easter at my church uh, in Winfield, I, I, um, I told that, that Easter Sunday, 2017, yeah, 2017 Easter, I, I told my wife we were free because we got nothing to do. And I was like, Amy, let's go worship at this church and see what happens. She's like, sure. You know, and my wife is with me theologically yeah. in this journey. Entirely. Yeah, you guys have been reading Luther since you were dating. Yep, I got it. Yeah. And so we went and that's when I talked to Pastor Steve. Uh, he preached the gospel and I was like, yeah, that's, that's all I want to hear. That's I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Amen. So, and uh, Pastor Steve, you know, he was a gentle guide and friend during, during that transition during that took about, you know, trying to figure out what I was, what was I going to do? Um, because it, it, it meant uh, the, the, uh, I was, I'm the provider of my house and my, my home and I'm, I'm the man of the house. I'm, I'm Living a family, I have many uh, family members who are uh, still in the donation, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to shepherd them, be a shepherd to them, you know, as well. So right. there was it's a lot a big of deal. things to things to yeah to process. And so um, Pastor C one day said, you know, I was like, I was like, like what am I gonna do? Like I, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> it's like, hey, you, you speak Spanish, like you'll be somebody will be attracted to attractive to us. And I was like. I, I couldn't even get it. And then we walked out of his office and Amy was like, you notice that he just kind of offered you a job. Right? 
so I was like, I don't know. So we, um, we, I, I literally about a, a year later is when I, I called him and I said, oh, see, this is, this is really getting at me and I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to resign. And, uh, so yeah, I, I need a mentor. I told him, can you, me- Oh, by the, before I told him that I, I, he had, I had asked him to mentor me sure. and, and he said, yeah, yeah, come to, you know, and then that's why I showed up at, at, at uh, the campus pastors. Yeah, not, not many people know that uh, <laughs> a lot of us campus pastors and some of some of the other pastors and staff, we've got different groups that meet together just for the sharpening one another and uh, talking through ministry uh, to to become better pastors. That's the first time I met you. Uh, it was like, hey, we let the Seventh Day Adventist in here, and a bunch of us had some questions. <laughs> we were like, uh, is this okay? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then you shared just briefly what God was doing in your life. And we were all floored, I think, just evidence marked um, by the spirit, uh, deep reflection upon who Jesus is. I mean, you've got a, you got a smile that says you love Jesus. You know, that's, a, that's nothing you can yeah. fake. So, um, so the, the, the role is to um, help our church connect with people who, um, Spanish is the primary language in the home or uh, a, a language that's familiar to them. Tell us more about that. Yeah, uh, there is. So Latinos, Hispanics are, are, are the biggest uh, immigration group and fastest growing minority in the United States. And Northwest Indiana is not, uh, uh, it's not alien to that, to that reality. Uh, in fact, the most, Hispanic, um, uh, the four mo- among the top ten uh, towns of um, of Indiana, four are in Northwest Indiana. Right, among the top. So we have you know, East Chicago, Hammond, uh, Maryville, uh, you know, Lake Station. Right. by percentage is very much. Right, uh, Portage is close there. Highland. I mean, and so it, it only makes sense and, and to to hey, reach out to them. Right. And so um, it's a it's a it, there's there's definitely you know there are, we are of a different culture uh, for sure uh, than than the American culture, uh, but but we like the American culture somewhat. Uh, you know, we we love a lot. That, that's that's why we came, right? Yeah. That's why we came. Uh, we 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 like what this country stands for. We like uh, freedom and, and hard work and all that. So, so yeah, for sure. It, it's, it's, uh, but, um, there are two hindrances for reaching Hispanics, I guess. One of them is, uh, the, uh, the language, uh, one of them is the language and the other is somewhat is, is the, um, the, the, the issue that, that, so there's, and there's the culture, some, some, somewhat, somewhat is the culture, right? And so, those two things, uh, you know, if, if the, the church can definitely and should make, definitely make, make efforts to to uh, to reach out to them because they're on they're our neighbors. Absolutely, I remember you and I sitting down um, for burgers up here in Portage uh, not too long ago, and you you did something profound. It was very um, revolutionary for me, and maybe I just tell the story quickly, and you can share a little bit more about it. Um, but we were, you know, we were catching up on just like maybe, you know, what would it look like for us to have some sort of influence with our campus to be you know, inf- instrumental with reaching out to Latinos? Um, and in the middle of that conversation, a gentleman who is, you know, he had immigrated from Mexico, 
comes and brings us our food and puts it on the table. And I want to just, I, I want to just keep talking like, cause our food's here. Like we're in the middle of this conversation <laughs> and you flat out ignored me. You just like stopped talking to me and you started in Spanish, a conversation with this guy. And I was like, Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna talk to this guy. Okay, great. And it went on for like, I don't know, four or five minutes. And, uh, do you remember what you said after me? Do you remember this moment? <laughs> I, I, um, I, I don't know what you're thinking about. I, I, I don't know. You Maybe. said, yeah, yeah. You said, Hey, if you ever see, uh, you know, someone who's obviously not from America and you just ask them where they're from, it'll make their day. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. You're like, just talk to <laughs> yeah. him, just talk to him. And, you know, for, for you. And then yeah. you went on to say for you, someone who's a, you know, the majority culture, someone who's an American, you're obviously an American. Um, you hold power is what you said. You said you hold the mm -hmm. ability to help this person feel like, Ooh, someone from the country that I now belong to feels like they've made me feel like I belong. That was so powerful. That was an incredibly powerful moment that I had, um, you know, shamefully gone so long in my life without realizing, you know, just the little things you can do to help people who are not from here actually feel like their home is their home. Do you want to say more about that? I, I just think you have such an interesting, yeah. uh, just helpful perspective to to shed light on a blind spot that many of us have. You you realize that it, it it's it's um, it is very uh, that that it's a big deal. Like you said, like I said, it it will make their day, uh, and it's such a simple. It's just noticing. Uh, it's just seeing them. It's just noticing. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's sometimes people, you know, may not want to make probably are afraid of being offensive. It's like, you know, welcome to America. And like, oh, they're from California right. or something yeah, like right. that, you know? <laughs> no, no. but, but it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I sense the accent. And so I was like, Hey, they don't notice, uh, you know? And so, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, and, and it's sort of celebrating looking at as, uh, at like, yeah, tell me more about it. I want to know. I want to know. And and so it, it it makes them it makes people feel noticed, part of, and and I, I I am privileged. I'm a privileged Hispanic. I'm a privileged privileged Latino, uh, in the sense that uh, I am I speak fluent English, and and that makes a world of difference. Sure. Uh, it, it allows me to move down to Crown Point where nobody will probably speak Spanish to me. I will have, I will have very, very difficult time. A Hispanic who doesn't speak Spanish and who doesn't speak English in Crown Point will have a really, really hard time. Sure. And so uh, the more you move into the suburbs, less diverse suburbs it, it, it's, it's a lot. So that uh, since that, and I'm, and I'm already friend, I'm connected to a white guy who's you to a, sure, to, yeah. to a Caucasian guy. I'm what and you so, call street cred. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And so that kind of makes him, makes him feel important. I was like, Oh, I'm invited into the friendship with the cool, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the, the reason, you know, it, it's because some of these, uh, some of the, like the Latino cultures, unfortunately have been seen, you know, minorities in general, you know, as, as usually, you know, we can go on, on, on a whole other topic there, but it's, it's always sort of, you know, just not, not, not super included into the, 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 the main fabric of, uh, fabric of, of, of American society. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, there's, there's so much you can do. They're ready for, 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 for you to talk. They're ready to make friends. I think that question is so profound from just a ice breaking moment, as well as a, like value moment. You ask the question, uh, where are you from? 
and you you asked it in Spanish. You did on the areas, uh, and mm-hmm. and that obviously helped him know like we're gonna speak a language that you feel comfortable with and feels like home to you, right? I mean, a a um, Hispanic speaking Spanish in a foreign land to someone else speaking Spanish in a foreign land feels like home. Like there's just this moment where it brings you back. It's like when an American goes abroad and they, they can pick out English in the midst of whatever they're in. Cause you just feel like home. Um, oh yeah. You see two American tourists making friends all the, all time. the time. I, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, you're from Tennessee or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so what was crazy in this moment, this guy had been in America for, I think like 25 years. And he still wanted to talk about where he was from. And I think then for all of us, there's this backstory to our life that validates us as humans. Um, you know, especially for, you know, you had said uh, part of my identity is not necessarily the whole Ecuadorian, Chilean, uh, even, you know, being a Spanish speaker, but it's, it's Christ and, and, you know, the heavenly promise that I have before me, that's the city that I belong to. But there's also this, where are you from moment? And the gospel, what I love about the gospel is that it validates all of us come from somewhere. And what's good for us to recognize in our humanity is that we all have backstories. And one of the easiest ways I think to show that we care about one another is to say, um, hey, tell me your story. You know, it may not be the whole story, but like give us a little bit of your story um, because we, we get pictures and glimpses of different life uh, when we hear each other's stories, which is so rich, so rich. What a- One of the- Go ahead. The, perhaps one of the, uh, the the our Western culture, and I'm very much a Westerner, mm-hmm. uh, and to a certain extent, um, one of the our, our cultural blind spots is that we, you know, uh, because of the Enlightenment, uh, we are very uh, down to the individual, mm-hmm. right? So matters is the individual and myself, and I'm going to worry about myself, and I'm going to care about myself, and I am it, what matters is me, and so that makes Western culture very individualistic yeah. and not so community oriented. When you talk to, like, I have an Indian friend who tells me it's like, yeah, any, anywhere else, he, he jokingly said, anywhere outside the, outside the United States is community oriented. Um, I don't know exactly what he meant by that, but it's, it, and, 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 but, but, it, it, you know, we're talking about Christianity. And so, if, as, as Christians, I think we should look beyond ourselves and we're commanded to look beyond ourselves, outside of ourselves and just care about somebody else and it makes our life so much enjoyable so much uh richer you know and and in, in the case of hispanics um just about any restaurants that i wa- that i've walked into in northwest indiana you walk to the bathroom you go pass by the kitchen and you hear the 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 the, the loud uh spanish music blaring in the radio yeah. in the kitchen you know uh, uh Kobe, uh, what, um, uh, what is that? That this restaurant, like sushi grill, uh, grill uh, uh, in 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 Maryville, right there by the mall. Oh it, yeah, it, the hibachi place the, out there. I the hibachi yeah. place, yeah, the hibachi place. <laughs> there's 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 uh, you know I I've met Guatemalans there. I've met Mexicans there. You know they come and they 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 do the thing for you and and you and I brought my family there and I asked specifically for the guy who spoke Spanish that can talk to my parents <laughs> and so. It's, it's no matter what restaurant, what place you go, there's going to be someone like that. And our duty as Christians is just, hey, reach out to them. And maybe um, the Lord uses that to, um, 
to to reach that, to to touch their hearts and 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 let them know that there's a God in heaven who who loves them and wants to see them uh, saved. Absolutely, uh, Danny. I'd love to know uh, if you just dive in with me a little bit about uh, Bethel Espanol or Bethel in Espanol. Um, I know we're in the early stages of um, gathering people together. Um, what are some of the things that you've been doing lately? I know COVID has made us readjust some of our strategies, but you're uh, hard at work and um, spending lots of time with people. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So what we're doing uh, now is, is, of course, we've met uh, on Zoom. That's that's our that's our that's what's been you know our main our main uh, uh, effort during during this time. Uh, we met during on Fridays as we used to uh, Friday nights, and we would meet just to study a Bible passage. I would I would kind of lead a discussion, and then after a little bit, uh, uh, one of the members said, "You know, you want uh, pastor? We really need to dig into the Word, and this is interesting, and we need to learn more. Why don't we meet again?" And 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 they were almost wanting to meet every day, every night, you know, and yeah. they're they're. they're they, they can be like that. And I was like, how about Tuesday? Okay, yeah, Martes, está bien, Martes, vamos. <laughs> and so we started, and I was like, what would you like to just, and so how about, and I was, I was uh, getting, really getting into the book of Mark. So we, we started going through the book of Mark, uh, and we're around chapter seven, uh, you know, eight, right around the, the, the bread plot and all that. Yeah. So um, it's, been, it's been fascinating. And they, they, you know, we love the word. We, we try to apply it into our realities and, uh, so yeah, it's been, you know, it's been been, been good. Uh, we're we're uh, hoping to do some backyard uh, gatherings, uh, you know, kind of socially distancing, open air kind of thing, in the next uh, couple of weeks. And so, so the stereotype associated with the Latino culture is community. You've said it so many times already. Um, how has COVID really stressed that value for our Latino and Latina brothers and sisters? That we get more sick. <laughs> no, no, not that I wasn't thinking that, but is that a thing? I mean, I know we talked to Dexter on this podcast about uh, how it's hitting um, the African-American community way disproportionately than the um, white community. Is that true for mm-hmm. la- the Latino community as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely more. And one of the um, there's there's several factors. There's several indicators, of course. Uh, COVID is such a new virus that people, you know, we, we, we know so little about, but one of the, I was talking to a, 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 a doctor, this, uh, who's doing his, her residency in Ann Arbor uh, this past uh, Sunday. And she was telling me, you know, she sees tons and tons of COVID patients that she diagnoses uh, and, you know, she, she gets them for something else and then they, they ended up being positive. And so she says that one of the things that with African-Americans and Latinos is that they live in multi-generational uh, households. Sure. So grandma, aunts, right. dad, mom, single mom, single dad, all that, they all live together. And so one of them or two of them is an essential worker and, you know, and then they end up all getting sick. And so that, that is like, that's true of African-Americans and, and, and Latinos, mm. you know, uh, there's not like a single family home. So that, that's among others, uh, for sure. It's gotta be, you know, uh, I, I, I've, I've been to, you know, I've seen people in places, you know, where they're, they're hugging there. There is just that, that, that's the nature of thing. But I think one of them among many others, you know, there's insurance, there's, uh, health, previous health conditions, you know, diets and all that. Sure. Stuff, so. 
Sure. Many factors. Is, uh, this has got to be a very difficult time to build community amongst the Latino community uh, mm-hmm. f- for the sake of church, right? I mean, uh, I would imagine it's it's not the easiest moment. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been... That's a probably the biggest challenge uh, for for us in in, uh, in Bethel is to uh, first of all that we are in the like the main Crampoid campus is on the least uh, Spanish speaking area city one one of the least Spanish speaking cities of of uh, Northwest Indiana uh, but not only our location is a challenge but also um, our um, the fact that the pandemic makes it makes it makes it worse and so it's it's. Um, it's definitely a challenge and our only bet is to go online, uh, more, um, be more forward, more aggressive with that. And so we're, uh, but we are in very early stages on the sense that our, our, our church has limited resources. And so we're, we're trying to make the most of it. And so we're, we're, we're pushing for that and hopefully, uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll come to fruition. Soon. Yeah. Well, this podcast goes out to, I mean, we target Hobart and Portage and Valpo and the, the people who come to the Hobart Portage campus, but it also reaches, we know, uh, up to Chicago and, um, down to Indianapolis and, and all around. Right. And I guess, uh, for people who span that gap and are looking for a, a community to connect around, um, you know, rich theology and the Latino community, um, how would they be able to get in touch with you? Like what's a way for people um, to get involved best, right now? Yeah, yeah. The best the best way is to uh, join the Facebook group uh, Bethel en Español. Uh, that's that's the that's the best way. Uh, of course, there's my email. You can look me up on on the church's website. Uh, but um, the, yeah, the best way is the Facebook Facebook group. And um, the are just so people know uh, we we're not we don't we're not planning to stay on Crown Point. Like that's not the idea. Our, our, our Goal or ultimate goal is just to is to locate a congregation in um, in Highland or Hammond, uh, which is where the up, most up more are. towards Chicago, a little bit closer for sure. uh, to the northwest yeah. part. Yeah, of the and it's yeah. so easy. Like I was the other day uh, last week, I went to to the Ecuadorian consulate to do some paperwork, and on the way back, I missed an exit, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is so beautiful!" And I was just enjoying the lakeshore. And I, I realized I was just going through all South Chicago. And I was like, <laughs> I like this. I'm just going to continue along. And I stopped at a, at a beach and there was this taco truck. And I just stopped. I had the most amazing tacos. <laughs> and I asked the guy, I mean, like, there was no, um, no Caucasian person in sight. Uh, and there was mostly Hispanics and African-Americans. And, we, I, and I, I talked to the owner for a while. And it was, you know, and it's so easy. Like Latinos, because they have this, there's not a lot of um, Hispanic churches around, sure. first of all. And the few there are, are into a specific... The, I, I'm not a fan of their, their, their theology or probably some, some practices and things. So uh, and there, there's some really good ones out there that have, have gone out. One of them, my favorite one so is, is Wheaton Bible Church. Uh, with Pastor yeah, Rodriguez. absolutely. Uh, that's, that's probably my favorite. And he Big says shout out to there Bible people Church. from Ishi. Yep. East Chicago, he had a family that drove a van full of people for a year to his wow. church um, because they, they, they loved uh, the love I love Hannibal. And so Hannibal's, will, a, Hannibal's a friend. Hannibal and I, I wouldn't call us tight, but we're friendly. And uh, Hannibal, if you're listening, uh, we're going to open a church and all those people that come to uh, Danny Sizes church. So sorry, Hannibal. <laughs> sorry, that's aggressive, but there's that if I've Hannibal learned, heard it, he would I've, laugh at that. So I want to throw that out there for our yeah, listeners. I've learned so much from from Sharp him and guy. from his ministry oh just by looking him just by looking him online. 
um, to me, it's like listening to to Tim Keller in Espanol, yeah. something like yeah. that. I mean, he does it. He does it so good. Yeah. I mean, he, he's like, this is the word of God. And like, uh, we love that guy. Yeah. Um, and very humble and, and helpful. Um, who are some other people are, it, around the country that you've been talking to, Danny? Because this is something I love about you. I, I, you're just a networker, a ferocious networker. And uh, you got connected with Tim Keller somehow and with uh, just a bunch of these people who, who are offering your <laughs> wisdom or their, their wisdom to you and, and our church is benefiting from that. I mean, how have you been doing that? Mm-hmm. I, um, it, I just looked online uh, as much as possible. Uh, I, 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 I spend months in my little office just looking online different uh um spanish uh, websites and when you saw when i saw a website that had it para espanol or espanol here the word espanol somewhere i knew okay these are guys are serious sure. i'm gonna click here i'm gonna dig here what do they have i'm gonna look do they preach uh in um you know the bible in in exponent uh expositionally do they do it but you know how, like what's their doctrine what how what are they doing uh and so that's how I came to with Bible. That's why I came to uh, other people. And so I just, just digging around. Uh, I talked to a, an incredible church in Iowa, um, the guy in, in, in a little town called Muscatine. Yeah. And it's just this Baptist church who, and this, this guy, I met them on a retreat that I went with people from New Life. And they, you know, they invited me in. And so I went there. And the guy, uh, he's a big, tall white guy. He spoke Spanish. And he's like, yeah, I was in Ecuador for three years. You know, like the, 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 the Marxist protesters threw rocks at me because I was a Yankee. <laughs> if you don't have that <laughs> story, says, you're not legit. Yeah. yeah. And then guess what? He's like, and three, mo- three weeks later, they saw me play basketball. And I toured playing basketball for their team for the next three <laughs> months. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So he played basketball with us. Like I dunked on them. And so they, 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 they was like, why don't you come yeah. play for us? And so he witnessed to them and he, he's a, he's an amazing guy. He then later went to Costa Rica and then he became a senior pastor here in Iowa. And so he's like, okay, I have some Hispanics here. There's a group of about 10. I'm going to call my best friend from Costa Rica to come here. And this Costa Rican guy came and, and he brought him with his family and everything. He, he worked like crazy to get him a, a, a you know, work visa guy with two master's degree, got denied yeah. like so oh, many man. times, yeah. finally made it. Uh, and his congregation has got about, I mean, last time I checked was about 150 uh, people in Spanish and he is about 2,000 uh, English. And uh, he not only uh, has English, Spanish, but he also has a Liberian refugee church congregation and so you can walk into the church like a mall because it's an old walmart i think and so you you know like the three things and they all do events together and stuff and amazing um so learning from those guys just digging uh also faith church the the guy from faith church in lafayette also uh spent about an hour with me on the phone telling me about the realities of hispanics and things like that that church has always been so so helpful to us as well danny what uh i don't want to say too much about this because we could uh lose lose track of um really what's helpful but why do you think it's helpful for um churches to make sure that ministry to latinos isn't just some secondary initiative you know what I mean? That that you don't just do the church and then also on the side have a Spanish ministry. Um, 
do, do you think that is um, helpful to Latinos? Do you think that's hurtful to Latinos? Is there a better way? I mean, how, how can we as a church just start thinking about ways to reach out to the people who are already in our community around us? Mm-hmm. I, I think of the word discipleship. So when you make disciples, what is, what is discipleship, right? It's, it's when you make, when we're making disciples, it's a, it's a, it's, it's reproducing. Uh, it's, 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 it's making believers is, is, is getting, you know, believers who are reproducing themselves into other people with life on life type of experiences. Right. And they're learning how to be Christians like that. And so, how can you be? How can we be Christians? If how can we disciple the Hispanic community if they're like completely separate from us? Right. That makes no sense. Like that. That doesn't. That doesn't fulfill the word of being disciples. Right. Discipleship. So if I am going to disciple, uh, and that's the, the the one command that Jesus gave is right. Like that's the that's the great commission. Then we have to do life together. We have to do life together. So. And, and and what does that mean? Is it, it uh, you know in American co- uh, in, Amer- in American um, uh, context it might be uh, having coffee together in uh, Mexican Latino uh, culture will be going to their quinceañera and going to the birthday and not just showing up for fifteen minutes half an hour and staying there the good two yeah. hours eating all the food all the tacos all the food you know I ate six tacos. <laughs> Uh, a couple of weeks ago, like seriously, with my neighbors, six tacos. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I didn't mind. They were so yummy. And oh my gosh. So you just have to invest your time. Uh, and, 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 but it's, 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 it's going out there, putting yourself out there, keeping your circle of relationships of friends open. Yeah. And l- l- this is, this is so crucial for us to learn here in Northwest Indiana. I've, I've met other Caucasian people who are out of state and they, 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 I kind of shared a little bit how it was difficult. Uh, it, it's difficult to, to, to start relationships with, 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 um, here in Northwest Indiana in general. And one of the things they, they mentioned was that it was a, um, people here are, are have many generations. And so they always have commitments with, uh, you know, friends, family, grandpa, uh, my aunt, my cousin, my this, my that, my that, that. and so it's 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 hard to belong, yeah, great point, you know. Right. And 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 you can't blame them for that family, awesome family-oriented culture, you know. And it's beautiful, uh, but at the same time, you have to be aware. Okay, but I'm also commanded to disciple non-believers and to embrace other people and to love my neighbor, uh, who is not just my mom or dad or cousin. So that that's that needs to remain open, yeah. you know. So I guess that's. To a, to a personal level, to a family level, that's how we can, I guess. And I think that cuts straight to the heart of understanding our own context and our own um, culture. And, you know, everybody has a culture, whether you see it or not. You can be a fish that is blind to the water you're swimming in, but whatever your water you're swimming in, that's your culture. And part of, um, in America, some of the, the um, conversations we're having now around race are really just culture revealers for a lot of people that don't understand it. What you just said was so helpful for me to be reminded um, because I do have family that's not so far away and we spend a lot of time with them and uh, to even be reminded that um, a call to love your neighbor is not just a call to go help them when their tree falls down, but to be intentional about um, building relationships with them. Danny, uh, thanks for the time here on the podcast. Uh, I am so grateful for you, brother, uh, as a, as a friend, 
as a uh, fellow pastor, um, I'm excited and prayerful for how the Lord's going to use uh, you, particularly you, the gifts that you have to help um, reach so many people here in Northwest Indiana. And um, and so again, if people want to get connected uh, with Bethel and Espanol, you can go to uh, Facebook and search Bethel N E N Espanol and uh, get connected uh, with the with the community. Uh, Danny, uh, we're going to be praying for you and Amy over these next couple of weeks, more for her than for you, but also that the Lord be prepping you, man, <laughs> uh, fatherhood. I know you're going to do, uh, it's going to look good on you, man. So um, thank you. And we're pray- praying for you and we're so grateful for you, man. Hey, thank you so much for this conversation and your ministry, Dan. We, we, we appreciate you yeah, very much. You bet, well. brother. We'll see you. Man, isn't Danny just the coolest? I sincerely love that guy, and I'm excited for what the Lord's doing in his life and as he leads Bethel and Espanol. We said it a few times in our discussion, but you can connect with him by going to Facebook and finding Bethel and Espanol. Uh, Danny is also working on a new podcast, too. We didn't have a chance to get into it here in this discussion, but it's coming out in the near future. He'll be doing daily devotional podcasts like we've done here on our channel. We call them New Every Morning. When those drop, we'll make sure to let you know. Uh, And as long as you're over on Facebook, feel free to like us at the Following Faith Pod. And hey, if you have someone you think we need to talk to to hear their story or a question that you want us to answer, feel free to drop it in the comments on our Facebook page. Also, if you found these conversations helpful, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening, as well as hitting that subscribe button in your podcast player to make sure you always get fresh content. Uh, Finally, if you're ever in Northwest Indiana on a Sunday, we'd love to meet you. Coming out to a service and say hi, you can find out our service times at BethelWeb.org. But currently, right now, we're meeting outdoors in the rest of the warm season here in Northwest Indiana, however long that might be, at 1015 in the morning here in Hobart. Hey, I hope our time together today helps you follow Jesus further.